Hello, my name is Dr. Jason Toronto, and I am here today on behalf of Duke Children's Hospital. In the following Duke Surgery podcast, we will be discussing the cleft and craniofacial program at Duke, one of our most long-standing and prominent clinical programs. In particular, this segment focuses on the treatment of children with cleft lip and palate. We will discuss cleft lip repair and some of the latest advances that are available at Duke. In future podcasts, we will discuss some of the many other important aspects of cleft care. I am joined today by Dr. Jeffrey Marcus, Chief of Pediatric Plastic Surgery and Craniofacial Surgery, as well as co-director of the Duke Cleft and Craniofacial Team. In addition, we are pleased to be joined today by Dr. Pedro Santiago, an internationally recognized craniofacial orthodontist, as well as the Director of Orthodontic Services for Duke. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you, Jason. Good afternoon. Duke Cleft and Craniofacial Program has a long history of interdisciplinary care for cleft and craniofacial patients. In fact, it's one of the oldest established programs in the United States. Over the years, the Duke team has taken care of thousands of children from birth through adulthood. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Santiago and Dr. Marcus about the aspects of cleft care. Dr. Marcus, can you briefly explain what a cleft is and why they form, as well as what is the difference between cleft lip and cleft palate? Uh, well, uh, Dr. Toronto, the, the issue here is that the face forms, uh, there are two sides uh, initially while we're developing. And when these two sides come together, they meet in the middle. And uh, when, there's, when the two sides of the face don't fuse in the middle, then you can end up with a gap uh, or cleft. And it's very typical, they occur in typical patterns. Um, sometimes, you know, you hear of a cleft lip and you hear of a cleft palate. And, you know, you can have a cleft lip and palate both. Um, basically, it's uh, which structures have not fused. So uh, if you have a cleft lip only, then uh, the outer structures have not fused. And if it extends back through the gum line and then into the palate, then that can be involved as well. So, you know, there are, diff there are different types and they follow those patterns and it just goes according to uh, where the fusion has not occurred. So Dr. Santiago, those children that Dr. Marcus was talking about who were born with the cleft, they then come to Duke and are taken care of by an interdisciplinary team. Can you explain to us what it means to have an interdisciplinary team and why it's important for children to be cared for by such a team? Um, interdisciplinary means that the team members work and meet in the same location to evaluate the patient, discuss the clinical findings, and suggest a treatment plan. Versus multidisciplinary approach, where the specialists reside in different locations and communicate only by letter, email, or telephone about the problem. There are many advantages to an interdisciplinary approach over a multidisciplinary one. In our team, we have an extremely efficient team leader who, among her responsibilities, coordinates the appointments with the multiple, multiple team disciplines, assists the patient with insurance coverage, and creates a report to be sent to health providers and institutions. In this system, the patient has a common medical and dental record, making the communication among professionals more effective, accurate, and efficient. It is also more convenient and usually cost-effective to the patient. So Dr. Marcus, Dr. Santiago was just talking about the importance of an interdisciplinary team. Would you mind discussing the various specialties that are included in the Duke cleft craniofacial team? Uh, sure, there, there are a number of specialties that, are, uh, that must be present to form the core of a cleft and craniofacial team. 
and of course among them are the, the, the pediatric plastic surgeon, craniofacial surgeon, uh, orthodontist, otolaryngologist, pediatric dentist, speech therapist, audiologist, social worker, and psychologist. And there are other members of the team that are necessary as well, particularly if we're taking care of, uh, of complex craniofacial conditions. Uh, and you know we can call upon them uh, as needed, and they may be a part of uh, of a larger craniofacial team. But that that group that I mentioned is really the that's the core. So Duke is in a very fortunate position to have so many different providers who all make up the team. But is there something that really makes this team unique and special? Well, I think that you know um, what you touched on a little bit. I mean that, that it's a it is it's a special group of people, and uh, there are. Uh, I wouldn't say that there's, uh, there are numerous people in each discipline, but I think that that's an advantage. That in our core, we have uh, all of the individuals, each of whom are uh, extremely talented, each of whom are leaders in their own fields, and there's a certain sense of cohesion that we have among the group. Our, uh, our beliefs, our uh, treatment plans are consistent. Uh, we have the same, uh, same specific goals in mind. Um, I think that our team has a longstanding history. Um, I think we have... A, our goals to uh, to limit the number of procedures that uh, the children need to go through and to get the maximal results that we can out of uh, out of each procedure. Uh, our coordination uh, is excellent. Uh, our coordinator is able to uh, arrange for services for children to have, for example, when more than one procedure, surgical procedure, needs to be performed by uh, more than one specialist, then that often can be uh, combined uh, so that the child doesn't have to go through uh, multiple uh, multiple uh, anesthesias and sometimes even it can be up to three different things being done at the same time uh, so I think that those are, are really important the personal attention uh, that, that folks receive and just the you know uh, the amount of just care uh, that, that we uh, put into to each child uh, I think that they're each and every kid that uh, that comes to us is, is important to us so as a plastic surgeon myself I know that a cleft lip repair is one of the most rewarding surgeries to perform, but it's also one of the most difficult to get a great result. I'd like to ask both of you, um, have you both answer, if you can tell me what, in your words, makes taking care of these children so rewarding when it is truly such a challenging discipline at the same time. Well, I would say, you know, uh, for me as a plastic surgeon, I think there's, there's a few factors, I think, that number one is that um, the procedures themselves are, are, very, are technically very challenging uh, to do them really, really well. And so that that's a part of it. Um, I think that there's also just uh, such an, uh, the, the, the subjective impression, just looking at, it, you know, at, a, at a child who has, who's born with a cleft and then to see the, the unbelievable change that takes place uh, you know, just with two hours, uh, an hour and a half to two hours of a surgery and to see uh, just the amazing change that occurs and you know, the, the importance of it as well because what you're doing in that procedure has, has to last in a lifetime essentially. Uh, you don't want to ever have to come back to revise that. You need, you know, so there's pressure as well there. Um, but you know, it's, just so, it's just so important, at least for me as, as, a, as a plastic surgeon. There are some other things that I do uh, in in, in my day-to-day -day work, but I would say that, um, that taking care of children with, with clefts is probably the most important thing that I do. Uh, for me, the most rewarding experience is to be able to get to know these families. Uh, all of them are gifted with a genuine uh, sense of responsible parenthood, um, working with them every week, having the honor to be selected to, to treat their child and being able to make a difference in their lives. 
and makes my day brighter and my life more meaningful. I would I would say I would echo that too. I, I think that um, you know it is it's just a pri- it's a really a privilege it's, uh, to be able to do this type of work. Uh, Dr. Santiago, to sort of continue moving forward, um, I don't know if everybody in the audience knows how involved you were how involved you have been over many many years in this process of achieving the best result for cleft uh, lip repair, especially. And part of that has involved pre-surgical molding that you've been involved in helping to develop. Can you talk about what that is and what it entails and how this all originated? Sure. Um, I've been working in the area for the last 16 years. And uh, nasal molding, or NAM, as we call it, um, is a technique that is performed prior to the lip surgery in which the clinician approximates the cleft bony segments and molds the deformed nasal cartilages. The main objective is to facilitate the primary lip and nose surgery and to enhance nasolabial aesthetics. During the last century, uh, surgeons have made tremendous progress in cleft lip repair. Unfortunately, lip repair alone cannot address the stigma of the cleft nasal deformity. Um, Aware of this limitation, Dr. Barry Grayson, who was my mentor at New York University, uh, developed the NAM technique in the early 90s. I was very fortunate to be at NYU during that time as his first craniofacial orthodontic fellow. And since then, we have treated hundreds of children with the technique. Um, this is the way it works. One week after the child is born, we schedule an appointment and take a dental impression of his or her upper jaw. This procedure takes about three minutes. It's performed in a dental chair does not require anesthesia and doesn't hurt. The impression is used to make an acrylic plate similar to an orthodontic retainer, but no teeth, which is then placed in the baby's mouth. The plate is adjusted every week in order to approximate the cleft bony segments. Once they're close together, a nasal extension is added to the acrylic plate to mold the deformed nasal cartilages. Once the lip and bony segments are close together and the nasal deformity is improved, the primary lip and nose surgery is performed. The molding plate is removable, doesn't hurt the baby, is easy to clean, um, and the difference between NAM and other pre-surgical orthopedic techniques is that NAM addresses the nasal deformity, improving nasolabial symmetry and balance, which is critical in facial aesthetics. And I have to say, I think it makes the surgeon's life a lot easier. Dr. Santiago, would you also mind talking about the the plate itself? Because I think a lot of parents would like to know if their child does go through NAM, how difficult is it to take care of their baby while the plate's in? Will the baby be able to eat well? Is it is it a relatively easy process for them? Is it difficult? Do the baby sleep well at night? Well, um, the way to know if it's painful is when the baby cries. And most of the time, we don't see the babies crying. But, uh, of course, they don't like it. And, and they're little persons, so they, they let us know. Uh, so when we work with them in the dental chair, uh, they cry a little bit. They know we're there. But when they go home, they don't cry. And uh, it's pretty easy to, uh, to spot a problem. If you see redness in the gums or little ulcerations, and we tell the parents how to take care of them. Uh, there's a learning curve to this technique, um, and it takes the, parent, the parents around a week or so to get used to it. 
Actually, I have to say that I've, we have modified the technique through parental feedback. I don't have a children with a cleft. They do. So they give me a lot of information, and we have been able uh, to improve the technique through their feedback. And so it takes them around a week or so to get used to it. Uh, the good thing is that we are available 24-7 for them on our cell phone, online, uh, to answer questions and solve problems. But the, the great thing about this plate is that if it's bothering, you just take it out. There's nothing that is pin retained. Uh, it's extremely easy to manage at home. Um, again, we like to see the babies every week or so uh, to make the adjustments to bring the segments together. Um, it's pretty easy to take out and clean, and it usually takes one week or so for them to get used to it. After two weeks, they're experts. So, Dr. Marcus, um, we just heard from Dr. Santiago in terms of NAM, and we now, he's explained some of the dental side. Can you explain what you do different surgically now that has allowed you to address some of the challenges in cleft lip repair, not just NAM, but all of the surgical techniques that you bring to bear? Um, from a surgeon's standpoint, uh, the results are dependent on three things, basically. The first and maybe the most important of them is, is techni technical, just the technical skill that's, that's brought to, to the procedure. Um, the second is the actual procedure itself. How is it designed? What technique is being used? And then uh, the third is how the child, uh, how the child heals. Uh, when you add the NAM into it, that's another factor that gets put in. But, uh, but addressing each of those, I think of all of those, I think that the technical skill in the surgeon is probably the most important, um, regardless of what technique is being used. There are only a couple of, of techniques that are common at this point, and the history of cleft lip repair goes back a long, long time. Uh, the most common uh, is a technique called rotation advancement, which is used by most plastic surgeons around the country and around the world, really. Um, there is some growing enthusiasm for, uh, for a, a somewhat newer technique uh, that was designed by a surgeon in, in Toronto by the name of David Fisher, which is uh, called an anatomic subunit technique. Um, my own opinion is that um, I have yet to see any results that are nearly that are nearly as good than as with this technique. So um, I do think that, that that technique is a factor. Um, what NAM does, though, regardless of the regardless of the of the technique, NAM brings those cleft segments together. And from a surgeon's standpoint, if you're if you're putting together a cleft that's narrow rather than putting together one that's wide, it's going to be better. Your job is easier. And in particular, if the, if, the, if the orthodontist has done a good job of bringing the nose up and lengthening uh, the columella, which is that the skin in between the, the nostrils, if, uh, if he or she has been able to do that, then that can make the result even that much better. So at least in, in my hands, I, I, have, I believe that I can do my very, very best work uh, with NAM. That being said, uh, NAM may not be for everyone. There may be things that preclude a family from being able to do it. Um, and the standard surgical techniques can still get fantastic results as well. So uh, it doesn't mean that everybody has to do that. I do think that it, makes, it does make a difference. And then you've mentioned uh, earlier uh, in this conversation that sometimes the children do require multiple procedures. Once they have, once you do the cleft lip repair, are you then their surgeon in the future? Do they come back and see you or do they go to somebody else? Uh, I think no. That's a that's a, a it's a really good point, and you know I think that there are some centers where there are multiple specialists, multiple surgeons, 
um, who take care of the children for various things. And you know, I think one of the big strengths uh, that our team has is that when, when a baby comes here and, and the family meets their surgeon, they've met their surgeon. And that, that individual, that's who they're going to be working with throughout, uh, throughout the child's uh, life. And I, I think that there's, that's, I think it's important because that relationship builds. Um, uh, with regard to what you, your, your second part about, about revisions, I think that's another important point. Uh, our goal is to avoid revisions. If you have to go back and do an additional surgery, it's, it's almost never going to be as good as if the first surgery had been done perfectly. And so uh, we would love to be able to avoid all types of revision, whether for the lip, of the, uh, lip or the palate. And I think that's kind of the mark of a, of a program, what the, what the rate of, of revision is. So what is your revision rate? I rarely, rarely ever uh, revise uh, a lip repair, and um, and I haven't have yet, and I have yet to revise a palate repair in my own practice. And so your patients, as you said, your patients once they come once they come to your office, you're their surgeon. Are the patients that you see in general from North Carolina? Or are they from elsewhere? Uh, right now, I think primarily our patients uh, are from North Carolina, but we have a number of kids that are coming from around. Uh, some of our surrounding states now, and we've seen an increase over the last, I'd say, about five years, where we're seeing uh, children from from Virginia, South Carolina, uh, and some of the and some of the bordering states. Uh, we have some children that are only a handful, maybe that are that come from afar as well. And uh, it's you know when you're talking about doing it uh, for most children, an annual appointment after the first year of life, typically the needs decrease quite a bit uh, for kids, and uh, they do need to have an annual appointment, which is very feasible. Uh, for folks when they're even living at a distance. But uh, even in the first year of life, uh, our coordinators are, are pretty adept at being able to help folks navigate the whole uh, travel, uh, travel to make their, uh, make their way to Duke. So Dr. Marcus, uh, you just finished telling us about your surgical procedure and how NAM plays into that. But can you tell us, if a baby comes to you and you're going to operate on that child, and then you do, are you their surgeon? Is that, are you the person who takes care of them for the rest of their lives or are they seen by multiple different surgeons? Uh, well, I think it's a good point. Um, one of the things that I think is a strength about the Duke team is that uh, once a family uh, develops a relationship uh, with their surgeon, then that's their surgeon. And although there are a lot of different needs potentially over the course of many, many years, uh, the surgeon that's taking care of them, uh, whether it's myself or, uh, or our, uh, my co-director, Dr. George Aid. Uh, that's the person that, that will be sticking with them. And so, Dr. Santiago, we've also been talking about NAM and the influence that NAM has had in cleft lip repair. Can you explain to us, we've just heard from Dr. Marcus that he does his surgeries three months, nine months, depending. Can you explain to us when a baby's born, do, do they come see you right away? Do they, how, how does that process work from your perspective? Well, um, ideally, we love to see these families if they have a prenatal diagnosis. So we can just talk to the parents and we can prepare them for, you know, when the child is going to be born. But if not, we love to see the child a week after they're born. Um, we have a very small window of opportunity just to help um, using that molding appliance to, uh, to uh, get the segments together and to mold the nose. Actually, we have three to four months to do that. So if the baby comes too late, we might not be able to help, but of course we can still do the surgery. So if we want to have the full benefit, we want to see the baby um, the first uh, week of life. 
um, and I'll be working with them the first uh, three months, close to 12 to 15 weeks, and then the baby will be ready for surgery. And so these patients, obviously, they have to come in, they have to see you. They come in fairly frequently. Uh, are these patients from North Carolina or are they from elsewhere? Uh, most of them are from North Carolina or close to us. Um, and again, as Dr. Marcus said, uh, not all of them can go through the NAM appliance process because they, they should see me every week or so. So we offer them different alternatives. If we cannot do NAM, we'll do taping and we, we, are, we want to be sure that the segments can get close together in preparation for surgery. So we offer them um, different choices uh, for treatment. And most of them are regional. Uh, close to North Carolina, some of them even fly. Uh, but again, depending on the resources. Uh, but we have different options for them. Uh, sometimes we uh, we see babies that are adopted or children that come and they uh, they have one or two years. And of course, we have options to help them uh, to go through the different surgeries and the malocclusions or uh, the way they, they bite. So... Uh, we're not discouraging people to say if if you don't have a one month year old uh, month old, uh, don't bring them in. Of course not. Uh, we have um, different options for different problems, uh, and again, you have your gold standards. But again, from there, you have many many options surgically and orthodontically. And so, just to make sure to to clarify, does every child that's born with a cleft lip need to have NAM, or are there some children who don't need NAM at all? Well, if they present um, an alveolar, which is the gum line deformity, and a nasal deformity, ideally they need NAM. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all of them uh, do. So the best way to, uh, to diagnose and to treatment plan these cases is to uh, see the child as soon as possible, uh, meet as a group, and then decide from there with the family. Um, based on their situation, um, how far they live from us. So, um, and again, we will provide a different option for different scenarios. And so, Dr. Marcus, with some of these patients, Dr. Santiago was talking about, he wants to see them right away. If some of these patients are not from North Carolina, they're from elsewhere, what resources do we have at Duke to help bring them, get them to Duke in a timely fashion? Well, I think that, that might, this might be actually one of the, probably the most important point. It comes down to the coordination and the coordinator. Uh, families only need one phone number, and that's the phone number for our coordinator, and, and we'll give that um, at the end of the podcast. But uh, one phone call allows them to reach any, any of our members that they would need to reach, and so that's their, essentially their point guard, if you will. Uh, if a family has a question, if they're trying to arrange to come to see us, and uh, they may not even know everybody who they need to see. All they need to do is call our coordinator, tell them, tell, them, tell them what the situation is, and we can take it from there and have the right people put in place so that they can, their trip can be uh, coordinated seamlessly. And if somebody would like to get information, not just who's listening to this podcast, but would like additional information, is there a website that you may have that has some of this information on it where they could go and learn some more about this? Um, yeah, there is. Um, uh, the Duke website, www.dukehealth.org. Uh, is, is the single source for information regarding programs at Duke, uh, and it'll give you an entry through a services tab where they can find the cleft and craniofacial team. Um, and it's also linked through all of our various uh, divisions uh, and, and services that we mentioned before, such as plastic surgery or uh, speech therapy, otolaryngology, and the links will be there too.
And if you would also talk about one other point, a lot of parents are obviously concerned about being able to afford this type of um, surgery. They, they have a new child that comes into their family, and now they have there's a financial burden with this as well. Does Duke have the resources to help them through that aspect of the care as well? Well, most for, for most families, um, uh, most aspects of, of cleft care are covered by um, by the, the major insurance companies. And so it hasn't been a, a major problem with regard to cleft lip repair, cleft palate repair, and, and the really the necessary things. And so I think that's been, um, that's been very, very good. And there, are, and there are resources here at Duke that help folks uh, in dealing with their insurance companies and uh, guide them through that process. And uh, similarly with, uh, with nasoalveolar molding, um, and I think Dr. Santiago can comment on this too. It's a little bit different. Yeah, most most insurance companies are covering it now. So uh, uh, we really wanted uh, not to create another burden for the family. So we approached Medicare and and, and other um, insurance companies, and most of them are covering right now. So, uh, Dr. Santiago, Dr. Marcus, uh, one of the things that's gotten a lot of press lately has been uh, the that Americans have gone to other countries and have adopted children and brought children back. We've seen movie stars even who have done this. Um, and I think maybe some people go abroad and may see a child that may have a cleft and think that this is now a special needs child and may shy away from that. Is there? Can you comment on if they were to adopt a child, for example, in China, the child was a year and a half old and bring them back to the United States. Can, can you help that child? Is that child a special needs child or is that a child that needs your care? Well, um, it, it, I think and it's another good question. Um, we certainly have a number of families now and it's, it's increased over the last several years, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, families who've been able to, to travel abroad and adopt children with, uh, with a cleft. Uh, from the adoption standpoint, I think that um, it's considered, the children are considered special needs, quote unquote. Uh, which means that often it's easier for families to adopt a child with a shorter uh, waiting period. But it doesn't mean that the child um, uh, has a problem, a specific problem. In fact, um, in most cases, um, a cleft, a cleft lip, cleft palate, these are isolated problems. And the thing about them is that they are completely treatable. So if a family has an opportunity to adopt a, a child and they happen to have a cleft, and whether they're a baby or even a little bit older, this is a treatable prob problem uh, completely, and it is... I mean, it's just, just as it's a blessing for us to be able to take care of the children, and we feel it makes us feel uh, so as if we're doing something so special. I think that uh, for a parent, it's just an, it's a great opportunity. And so uh, you know, we definitely uh, have had very good experiences with, uh, with our families uh, who've brought children from China and uh, the Ukraine and, and many other countries. Uh, once they arrive, um, I guess it does depend on what services the, 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 the kids have had so far. And in many cases, they've had their uh, lip repair done already. And uh, there may be some other things that might need to take place after that. Uh, and it varies, too. I mean, I think that, uh, for example, in, uh, in China, there are some unbelievably good plastic surgeons. And I've seen some fantastic repairs that have been done there. So uh, we've actually traveled to China together. Dr. Santiago and I traveled and uh, took care of kids with clefts uh, in, a, in a town called Hangzhou and worked with uh, some Chinese plastic surgeons who were outstanding. So, Dr. Marcus, uh, one more time, if you would mind uh, explaining how patients can best get in touch with the Duke Cleft and Craniofacial team. Sure. Um, the best way to get in touch with us uh, is to contact our coordinator, Ann Maybe, 
and she can be reached at 919-684-3815. For families who are looking for some additional information about uh, about the team, as I said before, uh, again, check www.dukehealth.org, and that will take care of it. Great. So, Drs. Marcus and Santiago, I'd like to say thank you to both of you so much for uh, joining me today. Your knowledge and thoughts about cleft lip and palate uh, has undoubtedly helped our audience gain insight into this complex subject matter. On behalf of uh, Duke Children's Hospital, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Goodbye. Thank Thank you. you.